Pro Football Jokes. Make it uncomfortable. Welcome to the Pro Football Jokes podcast. We have a new intro, uh, courtesy of Pep. Uh, just a two-man game going today, but I'm pleased to be joined by uh, the creator of that great intro. Uh, I don't think it's your voice on the, the intro, but uh, glad, glad to hear it anyway. Uh, how you doing, Pep? Good. Yeah, that was just a filter I used. You know, iPhones can do anything these days, but I, I'm feeling really good, you know. Uh, really excited to talk about week two. You know, going into week three, this is always the point in the season where the overreactions are the strongest because you have the 0-2 teams and then you're seeing the statistic, here's how many 0-2 teams eventually made the playoffs. And then you have the Raiders of the world that are 2-0 and sitting atop their division. And uh, there's overreactions all over the place. I don't know if you agree or not, Alex. Oh, for sure. I mean... Uh, unfortunately, uh, Reed, the unpaid intern, is not on the program right now. He's obviously the, the king of overreactions, but uh, I'm sure we'll have some good ones here. Uh, I know there are plenty going around Twitter, for sure, after two weeks of football. Um, but I think it's interesting how like there we have some teams that you know re- have really impressed us through two weeks, some teams have disappointed, and then some teams that have been totally different in week one and then week two, like they've it's 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 that those are always the fun teams to really predict which which of the two versions of the team you're going to see for the rest of the season absolutely and even into that second game i think we can even talk about a certain team like the titans in the second half they remembered who they were which is the tennessee derrick henry's gave him the ball 41 times that is very true uh he was even catching the ball i mean that uh that that late window on sunday was really it was really a great slate of games. It really was, man. There was a lot going on. Yeah, uh, but why don't we start out? Uh, I did want to, before we go into Sunday's games, why don't we talk about the first game of the week, the Thursday night game. Uh, our two favorite teams, uh, or our, our favorite team, um, playing against the New York Giants, uh, our, the, the football team. Uh, and uh, it was a little, uh, you know, it kept us on the edge of our seat, gave us an entertaining game. Uh, what did you take away, and how are you feeling during that game? Uh, well, I'd, I'd like to say, anytime I think back on that game, I just want, I, I wish to forget this game, but I guess while it's still fresh in my head and I still have a bad taste of it, you know, a win's a win. Um, so I'll just stop myself there. A win is a win. And I think Taylor Heineke minus his interception in the end, he played great. So I'm really happy for Taylor Heineke. I think the obvious headline here is how the defense played. And, you know, speaking on our overreactions point, I've seen about 10 tweets now talking about how good Daniel Jones is and how he was like the highest rated quarterback from pro football focus of week two. And, you know, that's just not a great feeling. (laughs) <laughs> so I would like for uh, our defense to rebound in week three against the Buffalo Bills. Not a tough task at all. But going yeah. back to that game, um, uh, I was writing about this in Pep's picks. I had a really good feeling about Sterling Shepard uh, for this game coming up. He always seems to get looks against our defense, no matter who's trying to cover him. And he finished the game with nine receptions. Uh, he's clearly Daniel Jones's go-to guy. Uh, And Daniel Jones showed his wheels. Jason Garrett wasn't afraid to call those read options. And that took our defense off completely. Uh, And you saw Landon Collins in a chance to finally get revenge on his New York Giants running for life, trying to chase down Daniel Jones. Couldn't do it. But the refs helped us out there. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. My, my main takeaway is that Terry McLaurin is amazing. Um, I already knew that, but uh, just uh, further proof there. Um, and Heineke, uh, so Heineke is going to give you why he's like even more Fitzpatrick than Fitzpatrick. Like he's he's trying to fit in these crazy tight window throws the entire game, and for some reason, Ron Rivera's like, you know, it'll be fine to throw it when we're just running down the clock, like. That was the most obvious thing that could have happened is Taylor Heineke throwing an interception. And then I honestly felt pretty confident that he would let him lead him down the field afterward too. So, I mean, I'll take it from Taylor Heineke. I mean, I'm not you know, expecting him to be, you know, this insane quarterback. He's, but he's, he's, I, I just saw, I remember watching that playoff game with him and he was just making all these ridiculous throws and hitting all of them. And then in that game, you saw him trying trying all those same throws and he he didn't hit all of them there were a lot that i was where i was like oh my god that should have been picked and the, the whole game was like that and some of them he hit like the freaking play to ricky seals jones for the touchdown that was insane but uh, it's, he's a, he's a fun quarterback to watch i'm not gonna enjoy being on the this ride of a season with him um and but yeah i think that the defense is the part that you know really should get better to your point about the throws he was making, you could see he really wanted to recreate some of that uh, Tampa Bay magic, uh, throwing some tight balls to Logan Thomas. Just a few went behind the receivers a couple times, but when it mattered most, uh, the Ricky Seals-Jones pass was amazing. It was awesome to watch. Uh, one thing I noticed that we didn't do too much of against the Chargers, and it wasn't just his long reception, but we got J.D. McKissick more involved in the game, and that might have been more because of uh, the dire circumstances and trying to get the ball down the field more. But I thought when J.D. McKissick was in for those passing situations, uh, Taylor Heineke looked a lot more comfortable with at least a check down option. Yeah, I agree. I, I, J.D. McKissick, you know, didn't really do all that much in week one. And then getting him a little more involved, I think, was was good for the offense, even though, you know, I love Antonio Gibson. He's, he's a beast. But I think giving him a little bit of a break, especially – Coming, coming off the, you know, just a four-day break there and going on to play on Thursday Night Football, they wanted to get uh, a little bit more of a rotation in there, not, not give, you know, Antonio Gibson 20-plus touches again. Um, but I think he'll be back uh, getting his full workload next week. Um, and uh, But McKissick will still work in there for sure because he is a, a dangerous weapon out of the backfield. Yeah, it's just... It just matters what the defense does from here on out. I don't expect them to show that much improvement against the Bills. I might give them a little pass while they're trying to lick their wounds from the Giants. But, you know, I want a little bit of an improvement. I just don't want Dawson Knox to become, like, the next best tight end. I mean, I just want to... I just want to see them get some pressure. I mean, that's what they should be doing. I don't. I mean, if Josh Allen makes plays anyway, then I'll be fine with that. But... I just want to see them get some pressure on them. Uh, you know, I, that that's that's what I look for from this defense. That was their whole thing coming into the year, their defensive line. So uh, they should be able to do that against Bill's offensive line. It's not like it's – I mean, it's a solid offensive line, but not not something that I'd be concerned with that, that like they should be able to, to get some pressure is my point. Let's, let's hope they do, and hopefully – we can look somewhat like TJ Watt <laughs> did against him. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to uh, Sunday's game. Then first of all, I, I 
it felt like after this week that there was kind of a like a shortage on two and O teams. Uh, it felt like all the teams we expected to go to and O lost. Um, there was a lot of teams that rebounded after going out and one. Um, but then looking at it, there are seven two and O teams. Um, cause, uh, which is, you know, like if, if, if it was all random, then you would expect eight two and O teams. So we're just, we're just under, um, expectation. Um, Seven two and O teams. Maybe it just feels like that because they're all coming from three divisions, which is kind of strange. Uh, two from the NFC South, two from the AFC West, and then three in the NFC West. Um, those would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Carolina Panthers, the Los Angeles Rams, the San Francisco 49ers, the Arizona Cardinals, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, almost said Oakland Raiders, and uh, and the Denver Broncos. Um, so I think, you know, we all expect the Bucks to get off to a pretty good start here. Um, but other than that, I don't know that, I mean, people were expecting good things out of the Rams, uh, maybe the 49ers as well. But the other teams, I think, are a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I'd have to agree, Alex. And I think Kyler Murray might have read your week one pick snippet about him when we just all decidedly said the Cardinals would be uh, last place in their division and they're certainly not trying to be after their first two games and dare I make this comparison they remind me when their offense was really moving with Carson once in 2015 when you had Michael Floyd or yeah Carson Palmer sorry he Carson Palmer's ankles are healthy (laughs) <laughs> to my knowledge, uh, just those guys, all you know, the Michael Floyd, John Brown, Larry Fitz kind of group. They they have something like that in this present uh, Cardinals team here with Rondale Moore getting involved. He had a big game. And as soon as I try to list all the wide receivers, there are so many. A.J. Green's looking good. He's looking decent. Uh, D-Hop, uh, help me on the, the last Chris, one. Christian Kirk. Thank you, obviously. <laughs> Second round pick. How did I forget? They all look really good. And even if their tight end position is lacking a little bit, it certainly doesn't matter. They are moving the ball. Uh, what an exciting game against the Vikings. But, wow, they look good. Kyler Murray is definitely making the case for MVP right now. That uh, that one play to Rondell Moore was insane. Um uh, you know, he I think he's played so well so far. I mean, I think he has, what, nine total touchdowns, um, seven passing and two rushing. Um, so, I mean, he's certainly certainly up. I think he moved to second in the odds for the MVP right now, um, right behind Patrick Mahomes. Um, so I, I, I think he's played great. Although, I mean, let's be real. They beat the Vikings just because of a, you know, kicking mishap from, from them. So, I mean... I, I'm not going to get too excited just yet. Um, I do think they're going to be a good team, though. And But this is such a tough division right now with three 2-0 teams. And the Seahawks are 1-1. I mean, if had it not been for a crazy, uh, you know, Titans comeback, they'd be 2-0 <laughs> as well. This whole division is, is insane. So I, I am a little bit worried from that perspective. But honestly, I mean, this team is good and – I wouldn't even be shocked if all four of these teams made the playoffs, which is possible now with the three wildcard teams. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, but definitely a great start for the Cardinals both, on both sides of the ball. Yeah, and I really like Isaiah Simmons. He's really fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He had kind of a lackluster uh, rookie season. Um, 
starting to play play a little bit better here in his his sophomore campaign. Um, you know, Chandler Jones did not get five sacks this past week though, so he's he's now off pace with the eighty five sacks season. So uh, unfortunate. And maybe he can just get ten in week three. Yeah, <laughs> make up for it. <laughs> Um, yeah, the other team, I, the team I'm a little bit, you know, I, I was definitely surprised by is the, the Carolina Panthers. Um, I, you know, I mean, they played, played the Jets week one. I expected them to win that. Um, I, I certainly thought it was a pretty even matchup against the Saints, but they dominated the Saints. Obviously, you know, people are gonna be like, oh, it was a bad Jameis game. But I didn't even think like it was really on Jameis that much. I mean, Jameis didn't play well by any means, but normally a bad Jameis game is like him throwing stupid picks for no reason. This was more just like he was under pressure that the Panthers defense just dominated. Um, you know, obviously there aren't like a ton of receiving threats uh, on the Saints offense, but this uh, I you usually don't see like when the when Jameis has a bad game, it's not like the offense doesn't move usually. Usually it's like the offense moves. James throws a bad pick. Uh, offense, you know, he he at least racks up the yards. This, the Saints were held to 128 yards by the Panthers last week. That's insane. Um, so I I don't know how like this Panthers defense is legit. Um, I think you know the offense is still pretty much Christian McCaffrey and not much else, but. I, that, you have the best running back in the league right now. Their defense is the number one defense by all, all pretty much all metrics. So if you have the number one defense and the best running back in the league, then uh, you're going to go places. Yeah, and people are talking about, or we're talking about, this is a really great situation for Sam Darnold. And, you know, after seeing his time in New York and then seeing the Panthers of former, uh, I just found I, I found that statement hard to agree with but after seeing games like last or on Sunday you can see how comfortable the Panthers are and they really just took control of that game uh, and they Sam Darnold just looks so comfortable they're using all their offensive weapons perfectly and there's they just move the ball with ease it looks like and through two games I think they've allowed the fewest points in the league that wouldn't be any surprise I guess yeah they have a lot of the fewest points fewest yards by by a lot they're number one in DVOA on defense uh, by Football Outsiders, so they're like they're just the, right now. I mean, there's there's really no argument that they've been the best defense through two weeks. Um, obviously, a long season to go, but this defense has been really impressive. Will uh, J.C. Horn be the the player we think he'll be? Uh, he's played very well so far. I mean, uh, it's really been the front seven though. That's been the impressive part. So I, right now, uh, that that's the strength of this defense and the back end, uh, you know, they've made huge improvements to the back end, but so far they haven't really had to do much. I think, I think they'll be good though. I can't wait to see them play the bucks. That's looking to be a fun one, especially with the bucks high powered offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't. I don't expect them to beat out the Bucks for this division by, uh, you know. But uh, they, they're they'll certainly be in in contention for, at least for a, a wild card spot. Yeah, I feel like uh, with this small sample size of two games, uh, believing in the Panthers' hype at the moment feels justified. Other team, I mean, do you, do you want to talk about the Raiders at all? I mean, I know you're you're a big John Gruden guy, so I love John Gruden, man. But 
how did they win on Sunday? Yeah. It felt like if they did cut to it on red zone, it wasn't much. And I was missing a lot of action. Like I saw their leading rusher was Peyton Barber with 32 yards. And <laughs> then Derek Carr is putting up like the most passing yards in the NFL through two games. And then I'm like, who is he throwing to? Like Henry Ruggs has gotten two big catches in each game. <laughs> but then, you know, you have guys like Brian Edwards and Zay Jones and Darren Waller's getting his fair amount of targets. But like I said last week, I just how 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 are they winning? I just don't know any of their players. <laughs> they, they just figure out ways. Um, you know, Foster Moreau scored a touchdown. I mean, <laughs> like that's uh, Brian Edwards had another touchdown that was called back. Um, so he's. He's get he eventually he'll score right one that one that actually counts. This is the actual just win baby when you have guys like Foster Moreau scoring, man. <laughs> no, but that was really scary for the the Raiders. I will say, uh, when Derek Carr was down, that looked pretty dire. And then you're thinking, do we have to watch some Nate Peterman for the rest of the season? <laughs> What's this Nate Peterman guy got? <laughs> that that would have been rough. Uh, <laughs> I do not think the Raiders would have held on to that game had Nate Peterman. <laughs> but overreaction. Sorry, it's we're not there yet. Yeah, I was definitely surprised that the, the Raiders were able to pull it off. I didn't think uh, – I thought their, their offensive line would not be able to hold up against that Steelers pass rush. But Derek Carr has played great uh, two, two games in, 2-0 and against the Ravens and Steelers. Like, that's a pretty tough schedule to start the season. And getting those two wins is huge. Uh, but again, very tough division. They're tied with the Broncos at the top, and you know there's uh, another team behind them that's uh, that's pretty good. So, yeah, it's they they need as much padding as they can get. They did sweep the Chiefs last year, so you know. it, stranger things have happened. You know <laughs> that that season where they're zero and fourteen, and they <laughs> Derek Carr beat Alex Smith and the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. <laughs> Still remember that game. Uh, yeah. yeah, but they need all the padding they can in that division. And the Broncos, uh, their schedule is looking favorable to them at the moment. But, hey, 2-0 and is 2-0. and Teddy B, looking good, commanding the offense. Yeah, uh, Broncos have looked great. I mean, they have they've played two pretty soft opponents, but they've, they've dominated both games. So, And they, they get the Jets this week, so... <laughs> I think uh, they're probably heading to three now. Minus the Christian McCaffrey, they kind of feel like an AFC Panthers to me. It's a bummer they lost Bradley Chubb for a little bit, but uh, this, in terms of offensive weapons and wide receivers, uh, definitely, definitely a similar squad. Yeah, I totally. It's funny because I was thinking the exact same thing, but like you know, they both have kind of lackluster quarterbacks, but they have great a great team around them, and they're winning with with defense and, uh, you know, just being efficient on offense. Um, and so I think I, I do, th- but I think this Broncos team is, is for real as well. Um, it's just a question of if they can keep up once can their offense, keep this up really with Teddy Bridgewater or are they, is their ceiling cap because of that? Yeah. I don't know, uh, how much of this Broncos positivity in me is attributed to just being happy that I don't have to watch Drew Locke. Uh, but it is refreshing to talk about the Broncos as like having a chance as a playoff team. It hasn't been the case as of recent. 
Yeah, not really since uh, Peyton Manning was a quarterback. <laughs> oh, well, Brock Lobster was great too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the reason they won that Super Bowl. All right, yeah, and I, I think the other teams uh, were, were not too surprised. I will um, briefly hit on the Bucks. Just, I mean, Tom Brady, could he win MVP at 40, age 44? Certainly making his case. Nine touchdown passes through two games. He's doing it. And I, I don't. I think it's low hanging fruit. It's been low hanging fruit for like 35 years now to say, make a joke about Tom Brady's age. So I'm personally past it. I'm just going to act like he's 30 for the rest of life. <laughs> um, the, the offense, man, I, I was going to save this overreaction for the end of the pod, but I'll have one in a little bit. Don't worry. I'm just going to say the Buccaneers might not, their running backs might not score a rushing touchdown this season. And for good reasons. Whenever they're inside the 10, the ball is going to Gronk. It's just going to Gronk. Gronk looks so good. He, he looks like he looks like the old Gronk. I mean, it's it's incredible. Uh, he, he didn't look this good last season. He started to look a lot better in the playoffs. But like even in the playoffs, I don't think he was playing this well. Yeah, I don't know how much of that is attributed to coaching, perhaps. When they first got Gronk, they weren't sure quite how to use him, or maybe they had too many cooks in the kitchen at tight end. Uh, Byron Leftwich was fairly new to play calling, but whatever happened, or just Gronk decided to be Gronk again, totally possible, it's working. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I, it's not even like how they use it. He just looks faster and more explosive, like, and... I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he's the fastest guy on the field. He's never been that, but he looks like he can move like he did, you know, back when he was back in 2014. Uh, so I, I think maybe he's, maybe he's just healthier than he's been in a while. So I don't know. Just their wide receivers. You, you can't say enough about them. And even with Antonio Brown, just going on the COVID list today, who's going to step up now. You're going to see Scotty Miller probably get three touchdowns next week. I mean, the offense is disgusting. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. Um, definitely, def- they they definitely look like the favorites of the NFC right now. I know I picked the Rams to to go to the Super Bowl, but um, right now the Bucks are looking, and the Rams are looking great. But the, the, I think the Bucks are right now the kind of be the favorites. I just give the Falcons credit for showing up to that game. <laughs> if I was if I was Matt Ryan, I would have just slept in and just said, you know. Yeah, well, uh, the Falcons, I mean, uh, <laughs> making their case for the worst team in the league. So they're, they're quite, I feel like they're more bad teams this year than than I remember in a while. Like at, at this point in week two, like usually there aren't this many teams that are just terrible, but I feel like there are more now. I mean, the Jaguars, the the Jets, the 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 Falcons, I mean, uh, I, I don't, I, I mean, we expect like the Lions to be pretty bad. I mean, they, they aren't good, but uh, I don't know. There's a lot of teams where I'm just like, I just pick them to lose every week. <laughs> yeah. you, you just know, like, I mean, case in point, the Jaguars, they're just, yeah. it's like, it's like 2012 all over again. And if you're a number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, like this is the ideal situation because nobody's looking at you, nobody, right now. Yeah. It, somebody put up a great point that, you know, you're viewed as the best prospect since Peyton Manning, 
yet you play for the Jaguars, so nobody view, sees your 57 quarterback rating through two games or whatever. It, it, that's small sample size, but there there are teams like that. I didn't even think about this, but I just realized that the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Falcons, they had the top three picks. So they're the worst three teams last year, and now they're just the worst three teams again. Like I feel like that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, it's good the Falcons got a tight end with their pick to really build yeah. that team. <laughs> <laughs> or however they use him. I don't think they're calling him a tight end anymore because he – well, some people aren't because he's lining up in the slot so much. But neither here nor there, I guess. Go Falcons. <laughs> uh, not not a great start for those teams. Usually, you know, expect those top picks and, you know, a whole offseason to improve your team. You just just don't be the worst team again. That's all, that's all we're asking. We're not expecting to just jump to a playoff team. But you shouldn't just immediately go to being – trash again (laughs) it's like i had such a difficult time picking between the falcons and giants this week (laughs) i don't know what to do really i i honestly didn't i was just like i I picked the giants and easily i i I mean i think the giants are bad but i think i like the falcons are so much worse to me yeah it's a little bit of bias in me against the giants but the giants hopefully all right well why don't we um talk about the zero and two teams we just we just hit on the three bad teams that we think are terrible um but there are a couple teams that are on two that i think you know might not quite be as bad as their record would indicate um so i'll start with um the, the team i had the most belief in um going in and that'd be the the minnesota vikings I I picked them to beat the Cardinals. I thought I thought I had it. I, I was like, oh, Greg Joseph, he hit he hit the fifty three yarder last week to send it to overtime. Surely he'll hit the fucking thirty seven yarder, <laughs> and he did not. He Blair Walsh uh, it. Yeah, uh, Vikings have had their uh, fair share of kicking mishaps uh, throughout the years, and uh, this is just uh, one more to add to the list. I feel like the, the, I, I'm surprised Mike Zimmer just didn't cut him immediately um, just because I feel like Mike Zimmer just doesn't tolerate kicking misses like that, um, which I feel like is kind of stupid. That's something like uh, the Washington used to do back in the day. Like we would always kick, cut kickers and I was watching Graham Gano make everything against us a continuous streak and, Graham knows one. Sean Sweesham became amazing for the Steelers after we cut him. Uh, I feel like you know, just stick with the kicker. If if he can make a fifty-plus yarder like that, like Greg Joseph did last week, just stick with him. He'll he'll start making some. He'll have some off weeks, but I I don't think there's any reason to to panic. But anyway, that's kind of going off topic. Um, but I do think this Vikings team is good. KJ Osborne has emerged as like a number three receiver for them, which is nice. They haven't had that like ever. So now actually having three good receivers, like their offense has been really good through two weeks. Yeah. I mean, they were the fourth best offense last season, correct? Yeah, they were. It's good to see them keep that ball rolling and Kirk really looks great. I mean, he, he has consistently done well, but he, he really is just playing great so far into this season. I think if, their their defense can tighten things up this division's going to be a really competitive one between 
Packers and Vikings and who knows what Justin Fields will do with the Bears. The Bears will probably bring back Andy Dalton because they're just being weird. But the Vikings have tons of time right now. Uh, 0-2, they definitely don't play like an 0-2 team uh, from from the tape out there right now. They look good. Yeah, it's honestly a pretty terrible division because I have not thought the Packers have looked good at all. I mean, I know obviously they didn't look good in week one, but on this Monday night game, did, were, were you impressed by the Packers? Because I was not like I felt worse about the Packers after watching them on Monday night. But I know a lot of people disagree, so you, you can give me your. I, I I'm not I'm not impressed by the Packers, and for reasons maybe uh, Fanduel reasons. But I was watching <laughs> MVS really closely that game, and Aaron Rodgers missed a lot of throws to him. Not just that one in the end zone on that slant, but a lot of deep balls. Uh, MVS has been one of the most targeted deep ball receivers through two weeks. It's no surprise, but Aaron Rodgers is missing a lot of throws. And uh, that was the score might say differently. It wasn't as dominant of a win as you'd think over the lions. Yeah. See, the, the, I, you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth. I did not think Aaron Rodgers played well at all at all. He had two really amazing throws. Well, the one to Devontae Adams on the deep pass and then the touchdown to Robert Tanya. Those were great throws, but other than that, he, I, I agree. He missed a lot of throws. I didn't think he played well. I think Aaron Jones took advantage of a bad Lions team, and Aaron Jones was really good as well. I'm not denying that, but uh, you know, I, I don't think this team has played well so far. And their defense, they got their first sack last week on a play where Jared Goff stripped himself. That's their only <laughs> sack of the season. He stripped himself and fell on the ball, and that's how they got their sack. Oh, that was classic Jared Goff, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Poor guy. He tries. He tries. He's making Hawkinson look good. (laughs) He is. No, I'm actually, like, impressed with the Lions. Like, they're still really bad, but, like, they're – like, I feel like on offense, they're getting the most out of all their players. Like, Jared Goff, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, Quintez Cephas – feel like they're all doing about as well as you possibly could have expected. Uh, it's just their defense is just complete trash. Absolute trash. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I really liked Dan Campbell's uh, decision to go for it on fourth and one when they were deep in Packers territory in the third quarter. It was such a bummer that they uh, just couldn't convert that because they Dan Campbell is coaching – you know, to step on people's throats, bite some kneecaps off. And that that would have been a statement if they had at least on that drive gone down, scored on the Packers a touchdown, and, you know, really put the Packers in check there. But I still think they played reasonably well against a team they were outmatched by, um, and the score just said differently. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, Dan Campbell, I, I thought that I agree the decision was, was good to go for it. I mean, Dan Campbell admitted everything. He's like, we're, we're going to have to win shootouts. That's the one we were going <laughs> to win. This is, uh, he knows this defense is terrible. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that you really want to count on a, on Jared Goff to win <laughs> shootouts, but that's where the Lions are in 2021. So uh, They're relying on 2018 just, uh, tape. <laughs> Jared Goff against the Chiefs Monday Night Football. Yeah, and just, you know, rely on Quinta Cephas to get you those big plays. So, um, no, but Cephas honestly looking good. So, I, I'm impressed with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's 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 a rough, rough I, outing. I, I should have looked this up. I'm sorry to ask, but, like, 
Uh, what round was Quinta Cephas drafted in? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what round any of those receivers were drafted in other than maybe Amonra St. Brown. Yeah, uh, I I don't I, let, let me look it up. It's sometimes real, real like quick. you're watching a preseason game and you're like, oh, that was a good play by who is that? Khalif Raymond. <laughs> uh, he was drafted in the fifth round. Okay, next Tyree Kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's fine. At least they have like some positive things to look forward to in the future, maybe. Um, but yeah, they they might just have to pull the Panthers route and just draft all defense for the next few years and just count on Jared Goff as their quarterback in the future. So yeah, I mean, hey, look at the football That's team. Cool. Look at our defensive line, doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally didn't just do a segment on how we're worried about sacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that's fine. Um, all right. Why don't, why don't we talk about? Was, we just talked about the Monday night game. The Sunday night game was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I may have lost a lot of money on it because I really thought I was going to win some money back. Um, looked looked like it, but uh, just couldn't see H just couldn't hang on to the ball. But but a great game for Sunday night football. You couldn't ask for much more out of out of Chiefs Ravens. That is the classic Sunday night football matchup. It's just like the perfect game to go into Monday on you have a lot to look back on fondly while you're miserable at work but um you know if you lost money or didn't everybody played reasonably well uh I've I've seen a lot of overreactions on Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh people saying he'll never play to his potential uh somebody called him the Kelvin Benjamin of running backs on my Twitter feed and (laughs) Part of me doesn't know what that means. Part of me doesn't want to explore it because I feel like that's a very mean statement. Uh, <laughs> on the other hand, the Ravens keeping their rushing attack alive. Uh, Lamar Jackson going for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Looked great. And also, Marquise Brown getting six receptions, 113 yards and a touchdown. You know, about those wide receivers not getting catches and yards, proved them wrong tonight. That night. Yeah. Marcus Brown's, uh, he had a pretty solid week one, too. So, I mean, Marcus Brown, I feel like, uh, might have a, have a sneaky good season here. Um, yeah, but no, certainly, uh, I feel like Lamar Jackson, uh, this is probably not even an overreaction. I mean, I feel like he's just the best runner in, in the NFL, you know, running back or quarterback. Uh, he's, he's, it's just so hard to stop him. Um, and then on the fourth and one play, it reminded me so much. I can't remember what game it was, but the the game when the Chiefs went for it on fourth and one nights the game, uh, and just threw that you know out route to Tyree Kill, because um, the Ravens did like the same thing where they came up to the line and just like snapped it immediately, because uh, before the or the Chiefs got set, that's what the Chiefs did on that that fourth and one they went for. Um, I probably should have looked up actually what game it was, but I just remember them doing that, uh, and I think it's just such a smart play. Like they're expecting you to come out and try to draw them off sides, and like, and they weren't weren't even set. And it's even more effective there with like the quarterback power there with Lamar, when you know they they, they have you have to get off the ball in order to stop that, and they just they just couldn't because they weren't weren't set. Yeah, they were getting ground down so much by it. I mean, it didn't even matter if they knew what was coming; it was still going to work. And I, right. was it the Browns game where the Chiefs did that? 
Uh, yeah, I think it was. It was, and you're right. Chad Henney. That was Chad Henney. I for, I totally forgot it was with Chad Henney. I I was thinking it was Patrick Mahomes, but you're right. It was the it was Chad Henney who got that done. And and the legend has it that Andy Reid even took off his COVID mask and said, "Chad, Chad, you want to go for it?" And then John Harbaugh <laughs> copied him this season and said the he same did. thing. I mean, I feel like when you do that, you're pretty much saying you want to go for it. Because what quarterbacks and be like, no, nah, it's just let's just punt it. <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy Dalton. <laughs> Andy's like, eh, probably safer just to punt it, coach. I, 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 think, I think it's a better decision. Kind of like watching the ball spin in the air. It calms me down. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Poor Andy. I, I am mean to Andy Dalton, but I, he – he was very supportive of Justin Fields on the sideline. He's a good teammate. Yeah. Uh, He's a good guy. Yeah. What, what, what do you think of Justin Fields at, uh, hitting the field, no pun intended? Um, you know, it's a tough situation for anybody to go into, especially a rookie. I, I think he was partially just kind of shook by going in there at that given time. Uh, I think he'll be a little better this week. I, it, for me, it's just the Bears' offense in general, not the players, but the system. Oh, that's fair. Um, but uh, I did, I mean, I did see a lot of the things that were that I found ha- thought there was an issue with, with Justin Fields in college. I mean, everybody knew he held the ball too long. Uh, you know, if he always, if he, if his first read's not there, he will bail and just hold the ball forever. He'll just you know try to try to escape the pocket regardless of you know what the situation calls for, and that's just you got to learn to not do that in the NFL because you got to be able to go through your progressions from the pocket. Um, even if you you can use your athleticism and do that on occasion, if the situation if like if the, if the pressure breaks things down, then then you escape. But you can't just do that out of habit. Otherwise, teams are going to be ready for it. You're just going to be missing out on opportunities. Um, so I think that's an issue. It's something that he can improve, certainly. But I just I wonder what's going through Matt Nagy's head because I'm sure part of him is like, yeah, I told you so. Andy Dalton's better right now, and it's like, well, that's gonna get you fired. So I don't know what... we, we've seen a fair share of Andrew Dalton. Uh, for yeah. me, it's it's always been this Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. But to me, the offense has looked so underwhelming for years now. I'm just curious, at the peak, what does this offense look like? Are they going to be able to win games every single week with their top receiver, Allen Robinson, having 50 yards receiving, if that? Are they going to win games, you know, with Darnell Mooney as their wide receiver too? Like, what can they – can this offense put up over 30 points? I I genuinely mean that, and I'm not joking around. I am a bit concerned. (laughs) I'm I'm also curious when the last time the Bears did put up over thirty points. So, uh, but yeah, I I it's like it's honestly hard to imagine them scoring thirty points in a game, which is a sad in today's NFL. It's really saving Mitch Trubisky's name right now. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, what yeah, I mean. maybe yeah, giving him a little bit of a break. We we uh we'll we'll cool it on the the Mitch hate for you know maybe. Maybe this podcast. A few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Any other games uh, you wanted to, to hit on here? Um, um, 
from, I mean, the, from last week's action. Didn't you expect a little something more out of 49ers Eagles? I definitely did. I, I bet the over at that game and did not come close. I mean, it, it's like we saw it for a second and then it was gone for a while and then we came back and um, I think it was a deep shot to uh, Kez, Quez Watkins. Sorry, if I'm saying yeah. the name wrong. Uh, which was a nice throw, but it was it was like a T.O. touchdown on the Bills kind of throw. Uh, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick reference. It was deep in their own territory. Uh, and after that, it was still a low-scoring game. Yeah, he uh, he hit another um, – Hurts hit another deep touchdown to Rager, but then Rager had stepped out earlier in the route that got called back. That got called uh, that's back. right. Um. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a very low scoring game. You would have expected. I mean, the the 49ers were trotting out Josh Norman at quarterback and some other guy that I've never heard of. So you would have expected the Eagles to maybe do a little something through the air. Um, obviously, they did hit those those two deep touchdowns we meant, but still, eleven points. That's uh, that's not what you would want from the Eagles. And and Jimmy G didn't really look much better. So not doing them. Nobody was doing themselves a favor in that game. Uh, Eagles defense and just the team in general to me is playing a lot better than I expected them to. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is definitely exceeding, and uh, that's kind of why I went with them in their matchup against the Cowboys this week. I think they kind of improved from only scoring 11 points. Yeah, I just I think the Eagles offense is bound to be more explosive than expected. Yeah, I, I think this team, like, I think the matchup with the Cowboys on Monday is a very even matchup. I think, like, the Eagles have their strengths. They, they're good on the offensive line. They're good on the defensive line. It's, you know, the same thing that won them a Super Bowl. They might not be quite as good as they were then, but they are, they are still well above average. Um, and they have filled in their other spots where I don't think they're – like their secondary isn't like total trash like it has been in the past few years. Uh, the receiving group isn't total trash like it's been in the past few years. Um, so I mean, I, I don't think they're a bad team. Um, I think they're sort of middle of the pack right now, and we'll see if they can you know kind of exceed those expectations or if Jalen Hurts will fall flat and maybe fall fall short of that. But uh, yeah, I. I I, I think they're, they are pleasantly surprising for Eagles fans, not for football team fans like us. But Oh, I, I meant to go back to the Niners game and just ask, who is their starting running back at this point? Uh, I think it's uh, Michael Hasty. Didn't he get hurt? Right now. Uh, I don't think Hasty got hurt. Elijah Mitchell got hurt and Trey Sermon got hurt. I don't. I don't. I maybe maybe Hasty got hurt too. I don't even. Let me know. check Twitter while we talk about it. <laughs> if Carryon Johnson's still on the roster, he might be back for like a quarter before he gets injured. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know who's you know if any of these guys will be back for next week. I know. I think Sermon got hurt on his first carry. Elijah Mitchell got hurt later. I mean, they might just run out Kyle Uzcheck at tailback and. And see if that sticks. Yeah, J- Jamichael Hasty missed practice today with an ankle injury. Oh, great. <laughs> well, <laughs> so maybe we can just take a moment to speculate by week 18 who will be the starting running back for the 49ers. 
uh, Debo Samuel. I don't know. <laughs> a trade for Cordero Patterson. <laughs> I mean, he was uh, he was the best player on the Falcons last week. So they trick Frank Gore into saying their stadium is a boxing ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's enough on the Niners. I uh, it, it'll be. I, I think the match against the Packers will be a, a very telling one uh, because those are two teams that I think have kind of underperformed, even though the Niners are 2-0. But I think, I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, like they always do. So <laughs> that's part of it as well. But uh, it'll be interesting to see which of them can prevail in that matchup. They, they might want to try using Brandon Ayuk more. Yeah, maybe more than... You Not know. just for run blocking? Hey, I mean, he got, what, like a catch last week? One catch for six yards. Nice, yeah. yeah. See, that's that's one point six points in in fantasy. Yeah, like if you're going so. up against Aaron Jones, you're gonna win. You're gonna win. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, all right, I did. I also wanted to talk about um, Cowboys Chargers. That was another late window game uh, that I think was uh, definitely an interesting one going into the week. A little bit more low scoring than uh, I think people expected, but um, still came down to the wire and. Cowboys band Greg the leg hit the game winning field goal. Yeah, it seems like no matter who is coaching the Chargers, who's quarterbacking, the Chargers are gonna charge her a little bit. It wasn't terrible this game. I mean they you, you know you know what's crazy? The Chargers had seventeen points in this game. They didn't punt. They had no punts in the entire game. That is incredible. Like how is that possible? Wow. Uh, the the Cowboys only had one punt too, so it was it, how was the game twenty to seventeen? I don't I don't understand. It, it was <laughs> even even if I said the point of slow offensive drives on every possession, it still is weird. It's it's very especially yeah. with these offenses. Wow. Yeah, I <laughs> like I I just I don't even know how that happens. Uh, it's just a special Chargers thing you can do um and the the cow the cowboys just like wasted all their time on their last possession that that then had to try for like a 56 yard field goal and greg the leg somehow hit it after sucking last week um it was very frustrating because i had bets on this game and the uh vikings cardinals game and they kicked the field, those two field goals back to back. The Cardinals or the Vikings had the 37 yarder, and the Cowboys had the 56 yarder. And of course, the 56 yarder goes in, but the 37 yarder misses, and that lost me money on both games. So I know people care about my gambling debts. So hey, it's a big part of our <laughs> our brand now. <laughs> you better follow. <laughs> that game, yeah, it was definitely lower scoring than expected. Um, but the Chargers, I was I was almost happy when Jared Cook almost scored, but it got called back. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I uh, people are really starting to heat up this discussion about Tony Pollard, and I wanted to hear your thoughts on him. Oh yeah, that's that's another good point from this game. I mean, Pollard ran really well, and Zeke didn't run poorly either. He he had a solid game as well. But the split with uh, the split in carries was pretty even, and Pollard did look like more explosive um so i i don't know i i think it could we could be looking at more of a committee than in previous years when obviously zeke was the workhorse 
Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't get Tony Pollard more involved in the offense, like 13 touches for him this week or uh, 16 touches totally 13 carries three receptions. Um, I think you can expect like 10 to 15 touches for Pollard on a weekly basis. Yeah, I am uh, definitely, I'm, I'm really having some trouble deciding if I should start him this week in dynasty. Who who are your your other options right I've now? I've got Daryl Henderson facing the Bucks. I've got Kenyon Drake Ew. sitting there just dying to be started. Uh, my two yeah. my two that I will not back up from is uh, Austin Eckler and Damian Harris. But I'm I'm thinking I'll bench I'll bench Brandon Cooks this week, uh, knowing that Davis Mills will start. Yeah, that that could be a tough one. But Cooks has been really good so far. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think any of those are bad options. I mean, it depends if Josh Jacobs plays, then Kenny Drake looks a little bit less appealing. Um, you know, Darrell Henderson's been getting most of the touches, but obviously Bucks is a tough matchup. So I don't know. Um, I think you're, but I think you got some, got some good options there. Yeah. It's definitely not like previous years where I'm trying to start yeah. Blake Bell at tight end. <laughs> Well, your tight end situation, I don't know. Well, but, hey, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with Cole Komet here. And I was trying to make this point a little earlier that uh, we are historically bad against tight ends, the Washington football team. Dawson Knox saw true. some targets on Sunday. He even got a little touchdown. I did catch that one. <laughs> I, I might start Dawson Knox. Who knows? I think he's a good start this week. I think he's a good yeah. start. Just, you know, based on history. But then part of me is also starting Taylor Heineke in a couple of leagues. Hey, Taylor Heineke could do worse. Could do worse. You know, I you just believe in Heineke. Lot, lots of good good jokes that will be coming from Taylor Heineke. So I'm, I'm very excited to watch him going forward. And, and even this week against uh, Josh Allen, who you know, is a bit of a gunslinger himself. So. I think we hit on all the major games. Um, do you want to just uh, head into overreactions or um, anything else you wanted to, to bring up? You know, uh, just a quick side note. I just want to apologize to the list of 0.25 people reading Pep's picks. We had a bad week in week two, but week two overall, it was kind of a, it was a odd week for in regards to players scoring. So we're going to, we're going to keep the ball rolling into week three and, Stay tuned. Yeah, get get right back up on that horse. All right, let's do our overreaction segment. Pep, do you have your overreaction ready? I know you kind of wasted your one earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's not as good as the Bucks running backs, but uh, this might be a little more believable. To me, it's just kind of hard to spit out. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and overreact after two weeks that the Seattle Seahawks will have a losing record at the end of the season. It seems as the years go on, they rightfully should be relying on Russell Wilson to win games, but sometimes it's just not enough firepower. And they have obviously two great wide receivers. Tyler Lockett is having a killer start to the season, but it just can't be like that for every single game if you want to be competitive in the NFC West. Yeah, I that's... That is a bold claim. I mean, it's it's not crazy to think, you know, I feel like it, it'd be going to be hard for all of these teams to have a winning record. 
And, you know, CX are in last place right now. They're a fourth place team. Um, so it is, it is definitely possible. Uh, it's hard to bet against Russell Wilson, but um, I, I, I like, I like the overreaction. And I just want to say it also seems uh, compared to the other teams in the division, their roster stayed generally the same over the off season. Not too many pieces moving, partly a good thing, but also they weren't building as much. It, unless you count the Gerald Everett signing. I'm sorry, Seahawks fans. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get that. I, uh, I'm i totally with you there. All right, my overreaction is um, on the Falcons. Um, and we talked about which teams are, are worst in the NFL. Uh, but right now, there's no team that I think is worse than the Falcons. And I think the Falcons <laughs> are going to go 0-17. <laughs> First ever 0-17 team. <laughs> oh, man. It's it's just funny beating up on the Falcons. <laughs> it really is. I, I really enjoy beating up on the Falcons. It's just, well, it, it, they kind of did it to themselves just because they like destroyed their roster in so many ways. <laughs> it all started that year. They started 5-0, and and then they just lost every game after that. <laughs> And really like Calvin Ridley. Keep doing what you're doing, Calvin Ridley. Yeah, love love Calvin Ridley. Have uh, have him on one of my dynasty teams. Um, so yeah, great, great stuff. And, and maybe Fabian Moreau can lock some guys down. Yeah, <laughs> he's like their number one corner. So <laughs> <laughs> now AJ Terrell's on it. AJ Terrell's on it. So Kyle Pitts did have a decent game against the Bucks. When do you think his first 100-yard receiving game comes? Um, I don't think he gets one this year. I think probably next year. I was kind of feeling the same thing. Yeah. I mean, a 100-yard receiving game is pretty rare from a tight end. Uh, it certainly happens. So, uh, But as a rookie, I don't think he does it this year. Better luck next year, even if you know the Falcons are still a franchise by then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Pro Football Jokes podcast. Um, make sure to read Pep's picks. He will get you a win this week. Hey, he got you one last week with those odds. You're making money. Uh, so just just keep reading. Um, read our, our pick them. Uh, it should be up um, before the games start on, on Thursday. Um uh, my pick and record is not doing so well, so don't bet on my face <laughs> on my picks. <laughs> um, but I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will talk to you next time. Pro Football Jokes. Make it uncomfortable.